Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Y'all ready to learn about the gifts of the Spirit? Man, this has been so good. And um, again, you know, I'm going to put a professor hat on. I can teach. Um, We can break these down. But what I do not want is that we become so scripted and regimented and religious in our thinking that we don't allow for the liberality of these gifts to operate. We, we teach them one by one, but you'll find that as they manifest, or maybe you've already experienced these gifts in operation, that many times they'll operate together, okay? And they'll operate in tandem. And um, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to break these down. And, and really get line upon line for the sake of teaching, but let's not let that, um, you know, grow into a, a regimented practice. Um, there's a liberality with these gifts, and when Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthians, he wasn't writing to them because they didn't know. They were ignorant and misinformed in how they operated, but there was a liberality of their uh, workings and involvement in practice in these gifts and never at any time even with with you know the chaotic nature that these gifts were being used never did he discourage them or rebuke them for operating in these gifts he encouraged it he said even in all the stuff that's happening in your services i still wish you all prayed in tongues as much as i did What's he doing? He's saying, man, we got to keep this going. Don't allow me to come in and bring correction and direction and let that restrict the flow or quench the move of the Spirit. Okay? So there's no quenching taking place. We're teaching so that we can operate in these gifts to the best of our ability and have an expectation. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Again, saying, you need this in operation. We need the move of the Holy Spirit. We need the working of the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. The devil would love nothing more than we start breaking down these gifts and we start thinking a different God. The reason why he's having to identify this is because God has so many different facets and so many different angles to him. So many sides. To I mean, you got angels that circle around the throne 24-7 and every time they come back around the throne, they see something new about God they never saw before and it's like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come and they come back around like oh my gosh holy holy I mean you think you get tired of saying that but they keep seeing a new side of God and so these these gifts in demonstration operation is God on display it's God on display it's God revealing himself it's God revealing his love revealing his care I mean if God brings uh instruction or 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 maybe even a, a rebuke 
through a word of wisdom or a word, uh, you know, through a prophetic word, receive that. That's, God is never trying to embarrass anybody. It's not in his nature. God is not trying to call you out. If he does, it's for the purpose of correction and saying there's something much better. What kind of parent would watch their child run smack dab into the road and say, well, hey, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. You're screaming your head off. Turn around. Danger ahead, right? And so the Holy Spirit will grab your attention at times, and it's for the sake of life. It's for the sake of fulfilling your purpose. It's for the sake of there's something better on the other side. Amen. And so we need to understand that he's wanting us to understand the nature of God, the character of God, so that we don't misuse the gift or misinterpret the gift. Oh, that's the devil. No. No, that's God trying to redirect and trying to show you I got something better ahead. Amen. So it's a different God work or same God, same God. I just undid everything I just said. <laughs> the same God. They could scratch that from the tape. The same God working in different activities, different ministries, different gifts. But the manifestation verse 7, here it is. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit. That means to add to or to gain, to increase. Profit means what? It means to add to what you already have, right? If you lose or you have lack, you're not profiting. But he's talking about, I'm trying to increase you. I'm trying to add to you. That's why my, my, my spirit operates in these ways, manifests in these ways. So that's kind of the, the underlying foundation for the profit of all. For the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And again, here it is in verse 11. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Notice that he's letting you know up front different gifts, different ministries, different activities. Same spirit. Then he lists out the different ministries, the different gifts, right? Then what does he do? He reiterates once again, reminder, same spirit. You think there's a reason why he's trying to tell us that? Here's why. Because we love to hug certain facets that minister to us. There may be a way that God has spoken to you. There may be a, a divine encounter that you've had. There may be something that you've been exposed to. Maybe it was a certain move of the Spirit, a certain type of teaching. You know, it's the same way with the fivefold gifts. Pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers, and prophets. Five different gifts. Guess what? 
we're supposed to treat them all and love them all equally. But I can tell you in this room, some of you love preachers, evangelists, a little more than teachers. That's not a bad thing. It's just that you cannot ever allow yourself to, 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 to neglect or abandon one for the love of another. That's what he's trying to help us identify. You know, there, there may be a, a certain draw to, to, to seeing a, a, a gift uh, of, of faith or working of miracles in your life, but it's no greater emphasis or value should be given than a discerning of spirits or a word of knowledge. We're the ones that do the weight thing. I love this more than this. I'm really this kind of person. And that's because we're all individuals. We all have individualistic characteristics about ourselves that are going to be drawn more to one to, than another. I mean, just last Wednesday, we weren't here. You weren't here listening to me teach. For those of you that came out, you were at Future Now listening to Pastor Chris preach. And did an amazing job. 122 lives committed to the kingdom of God last Wednesday through Future Now and what they did in Brooks County. Amen. Amen. And it's not, oh, wow, he, he did, a, uh, uh, you know, did a greater job than the, the teaching. But then there's going to be some in the room that are like, you know, why is he screaming his head off? Why is he just teaching the basic principles? So we're the ones that have to be careful. And how the Lord, you know, many times, um, you know, we weigh the value of something based on how it ministers to us in a, in a, a preferential type mode. We do the same thing with churches. We do the same thing with churches. You know, they, they, they say that, usually you will regard the church based on the level it was when you came. I see Chuck over here. Chuck has been here longer than I have. I'm serious. He's been in the church longer than my wife and I. He was here with the previous pastors, Brian and Cheyenne Atkins. And so, you know, it'd be easy for him to weigh, uh, you know, the church and, and how effective the church is being based upon where we're at today versus where it was when we first started. You know, I, I think, Chuck, I, I just apologize in front of everybody. I think you reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, I need a moment to talk to you. There was a day where I would just drive to your house and do that. And he knows I, 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 I don't operate, I cannot operate at that level as much as I want to. I'll do my best to call you tomorrow. Got everyone here as my witness. But he could, he could easily have a level of even offense get in and, and, and say, Pastor Mark's not, you know, doing his job anymore. He's not that great of a pastor. He doesn't care anymore. No, we're just in different seasons. Whereas others that are maybe new, maybe just even the last couple months are like, you know, Pastor Mark is hard to get to. You got to set a meeting with his secretary. You got to get on his calendar. It's probably going to be at least seven days out before you can meet with him. And that's just the norm. Whereas Chuck could text me and we, you know, we used to live real close to each other too differences, differences. And what we tend to do is we tend to hug or marry one over the other. And the apostle Paul is trying to let you know, we need to give the same weight and value to all of them across the board. Same spirit, same spirit. Jesus gave those gifts, those five-fold ministry gifts to the church. 
And not one is to be valued more than the other. Sure, you may appeal to one or be drawn to one more than the other. But that doesn't mean I neglect or abandon. You know, I remember we had an instructor at Rama. His name was Doug Jones. Is Doug Jones. His name is Doug Jones. It's still Doug Jones. He's still an instructor there. And, you know, uh, a phenomenal teacher. And, and that's what I grew up loving was teachers. I could sit and listen to teachers. I mean, I was listening to Kenneth E. Hagin. I was reading his books when I was seven years old. I mean, I, I could sit and listen. You know, when, when we were sick at home from school, we weren't allowed to watch cartoons and, 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 and whatever else was on, you know, during the day. We had to sit and watch Brother Hagin videos or, or, or Benny Hinn videos uh, or, or, you know, watch. I'm serious. I'm not kidding you. My mom was like, you getting your healing, you're going back to school. You ain't messing around. <laughs> on, my, on my sick note that she would send into school, she'd say, Mark is at home receiving his healing. That's what she would say. I'm not kidding you. God is my witness. I, I was watching, you know, all kinds of uh, Kenneth Copeland. I, we would watch the uh, Jesse Duplantis uh, 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 Laughters, the Medicine or whatever. He had like six volumes of those. I mean, you know, you can get healed laughing real quick. I promise you. The Bible says so. It's a great medicine. Amen. And so, you know, I, I, I love teachers. And so, you know, and his classes were phenomenal. I mean, you're just on the edge of your seat. When you get under the teaching of a real teacher, I mean, you're on the edge of your seat. You can't write fast enough. It's hitting you right in your, it's like, oh, man, he just nailed it. You know, I mean, you know, preachers will make you get up and shout, but teachers will get you, you know, get your hand going, cramping. And so he taught a class on honor. And, of course, he's allowed to say this, but he said, you should never have a favorite teacher. Because the moment you add value to that one, you decrease value to the one that's not like that one. Well, you can say that when you're the favorite teacher, right? You can say that. But the truth of the matter was, are we given equal weight to all? Are we giving equal weight to all these gifts, all these activities, all these ministries? Or are we only coming in expecting him to move in one way, and if he doesn't move in that way, then I don't receive or I'm not open, I'm not as connected and aware of what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. Does that make sense? So he's trying to help us understand by repeating and reiterating himself, there's Differences, diversities, gifts, ministries, activities, but it's the same God, same spirit. We saw uh, a couple weeks ago where we launched into breaking down these gifts one by one. We have three categories of gifts. Again, remember, we've got the, the revelation gifts, the gifts that bring revelation, the gifts that reveal something, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Those three gifts operate in the realm of revelation or revealing something that is divine, something that is supernatural, something that cannot be learned by going to school. Got me? It's not something you can understand or comprehend on natural uh, knowledge or wisdom alone. We saw that the second category is what we call the utterance gifts, the speaking gifts. We have three gifts that reveal something. We have three gifts that say something, right? We have tongues, we have interpretation of tongues, and then we have prophecy. 
We have prophecy. And then the third category was the power gifts. We have three gifts that reveal, three gifts that say. We have three gifts that do something. Gift of faith, gift of working of miracles, and gifts of healings. So these are the nine gifts that we're breaking down again for the sake of teaching, for the sake of, of, of breaking these down individually. Last week or a couple weeks ago when we started this, uh, a word of knowledge was the first one that we saw, a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. Word of knowledge was a supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit of certain facts in the mind of God. These facts, remember, cover either something in the present or something in the past. Something in the present that's currently taking place now or something in the past that has happened, that has taken place. The Lord's showing me that, that you have had a, a, you had a traumatic childhood. Lord showing me that there's a, a pain in your shoulder. Those are present or past facts in the mind of God. That would be a word of knowledge. But tonight we're going to look at the uh, word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is defined as this. A supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose the divine purpose, a supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God concerning the divine purpose in the mind and will of God. Supernatural revelation by the Spirit of God revealing the divine purpose in the mind and the will of God. What is the key difference here between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom? If the word of knowledge covers what has happened in the past or what is currently, presently taking place, then the word of wisdom covers the future, the purpose, the intent, in the mind and the will of God. So the the, the, the key differences, although they, they look very similar and operate very similar and even manifest themselves in similar ways, one, clearly there is a distinct difference between speaking or revealing that which has happened or that which is taking place versus what is going to take place, what God's plan and purpose is, or what you'll find with word of wisdom a lot of times, instruction of what to do from this point forward. The word of wisdom many times is very instructive by nature. It's giving you direction. It's giving you instruction where to go. Many times the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom work together. Work together. Um, I, I refer back to when Dr. Gee was here. It's the most recent uh, event uh, of these gifts in operation. I remember specifically, I don't remember who it was, but there was uh, an individual called out uh, a pain, I think, in the neck or in the shoulder. That's the word of knowledge. By word of knowledge, they received a, 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 re, a revelation by the Spirit of God of a fact. There's a pain in your shoulder. Then the Spirit of God speaking through Dr. Gee 
gave instruction. Move your shoulder, pick up, move your arm, do something you couldn't do. That's a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom in that case could also be uh, go to the doctor and get checked out. Word of wisdom could be go to the doctor and have this particular procedure done. There could be instruction that follows. There could be direction that follows. It's the purpose of God to see you healed. It's the intent and the will of God to see you freed from that bondage, freed from that sickness and disease. Now, here is the instruction he's giving. Now, just as we covered with the word of knowledge, we have to cover the same matter with the word of wisdom. It is a word of knowledge. It is a word of wisdom, meaning what? A word is only a part. The word is only a part. It's not the gift of wisdom. I, I, I haven't heard that a whole lot, but there are circles that, you know, that, that, that can get steered off in that direction. Oh, he's giving you a gift of wisdom or a gift of knowledge. We're not talking about natural wisdom and natural knowledge. Remember this. Dr. Gee could not go to school and learn that on such and such day, there's going to be someone in your audience and they're going to have a, a pain in their shoulder. And so um, that's, when, that's how you, there's no way you could have acquired that knowledge or comprehended that outside of divine revelation. We understand the difference with that. So it's not, you know, helping you pass a test. That's not, that's not a word of wisdom. That's not a word of knowledge. We're not talking about something that can be acquired or attained naturally. We're talking about something that is only acquired by divine origin, divine revelation. Okay? There's a call of God on your life. You're going to you're, you're do marvelous things in the kingdom. He's calling you to, I mean, many times through a word of wisdom, uh, people have been called to ministry. That's how I was called to ministry. And maybe that pastor, when I was four years old and I would run around the church with my parents and he would call me his little preacher man, Michael Side, San Antonio, Texas, when he would call me, maybe he knew that, maybe he didn't, but that was a word of wisdom. That was the Holy Spirit operating through him that started me on my path of desiring ministry. And that became continual. There were, there were many people, my pastors in, in Fort Worth, Spencer and Cindy Norday, they would speak. You're going to do this, and, and you're going to see this take place. Now, a lot of times we can get this confused, and we just simply call it a prophetic word, a prophecy. He prophesied over me. And we're going to get into prophecy later. That's in the utterance gifts, okay? So that's, that's another category. We'll get there. But when something is revealed, it's no longer just prophecy. The Bible tells us that prophecy is given for comfort and edification. Okay? So that's, that's what we would call the simple gift of prophecy. If you remember last time I explained it this way, that prophecy is the vehicle that drives a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. So it can come through a prophetic utterance, but anytime there's revelation attached... A prophetic word is just encouragement. He sees you. He loves you. His, his hand is upon you. That, that, that's prophetic word. That's to bring comfort and edification. But when there's either a direct fact being revealed, 
there's a pain in your shoulder, uh, you, you've been through a traumatic childhood, uh, you recently lost, the, when there's direct facts revealed that could not be known other than divine origin, or there's direct purpose revealed, you're going to do this, or, uh, you know, uh, move this, or, you know, uh, the Lord's telling me, uh, you, you received a word of wisdom at one of Paul Brady's services recently regarding the finances and, and, and all that. And, and there was some instruction given. There was some direction there. That's a word of wisdom. It's no longer just prophecy at that point. And we'll, we'll help distinguish those. And again, we're doing this for the sake of teaching. So that's not, uh, you know, getting all up in arms because you called it a prophetic word when it was really a word of, it's not why we're, we're, we're breaking this down and we're helping distinguish between for the sake of teaching. Okay. So the word is a part. It's not a whole. This is what many people have a, a great misconception about when it comes to words of knowledge and words of wisdom. If God speaks, I will obey. And this is why you say that, because you think if God speaks, he will show you everything you need to know, and the timing will be perfect. That's what you think. A lot of times when God speaks, he shows you very little, and it usually makes no sense at the time he speaks it. It goes completely against. Amen. Okay, so the reason why you think is if he speaks, I will go, I will do, I will say, nah. Why do you think when angels came and revealed things to people, they fell on their faces flat, scared? They, they fought with God, Moses, burning bush. I mean, I, you know, you burn a bush in front of me and it ain't burning up or burning down or burning out. You ain't getting a fight out of me. But he argued with God. Oh, I mean, God got mad. You don't want to get God mad when he's burning stuff. <laughs> he's consuming stuff right in front of your eyes. And you're like, no, nah, you got the wrong guy. Yeah, this was happening. This stuff was taking place in the Bible. It's on account. It's on record. We can read about this. No, because it's a word in part. A lot of times, God will just give you enough to get you started. He doesn't show you the whole path. He shows you the step, right? Lamp unto, a feet, unto my feet, a light unto my path. Another thing God does is he'll show you the end without showing you how you get there. That's even worse. You know, when you're looking for directions to something, you, you, you say, hey, Siri, or, or you, you, you type something. You know, I got my iPad going crazy up here now. Uh, you, 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 you punch it into Google Maps or whatever, but you, what, do you, what do you type in? You type in the destination. You type in the end, and then it gives you all the steps. Well, God gives you the destination. He just doesn't give you all the steps. He just gives you the first one. Start here. Start right here, right? So... We, we, we have this idea, if I received a word of wisdom, I would go do. If I received a word, if God revealed to me, but, you know, sometimes God reveals stuff that's painful. Sometimes God reveals stuff that you've been working hard to not have revealed. Right? Come on. 
So we have to understand these manifestations. Again, it's for the profit of all. It's for the benefit of all. It's for the increase of all. But we cannot have this misconception when a gift is in operation, we'll just be. I mean, there were people in the Bible that saw a working of miracles happen right in front of their eyes. They were marveling and disbelieving at the same time. They were astonished and then tried to throw him off a cliff. It's right there. Mark chapter 6, Luke chapter 4. So we got to understand that you know, just because the gift of the Spirit is in operation does not mean people will respond accordingly, respond favorably, respond in like manner. But it's for the demonstration of the Spirit of God, for the nature and character of God, and for the benefit and profit of all. Okay? So a word is only part. Um, again, not the gift of wisdom or the gift of knowledge. It's only divinely uh, revealed divine origin. The key difference between the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, again, is the word of knowledge reveals past or present facts. The word of wisdom reveals a future purpose or will. But once again, many times they will work together in tandem. Many times you'll receive a, a word of knowledge. This has happened or this is happening. And then right behind that is a word of wisdom. This is what to do. This is where to go. This is how to operate, okay? Let's look at some references here. Acts chapter 9. Give some examples. Acts chapter 9. I love the Holy Spirit. Remember what we said, the, the antidote for the ignorance is desire. And these are things we must desire. Let me clarify that. It does not say manufacture. It says desire. What is the best gift? The one needed at the time. What is the best gift? The one needed at the time. If I just got a, a, a cancer uh, diagnosis, I, I don't need a discerning of spirits. I need a working of miracles. I need a gifts of healings in operation, don't I? Right? It's, it's the, the one needed based on the situation. If you're up against a, a financial hurdle and you've got, I can go this way or I can go this way, I don't need a working of miracles. I need a word of wisdom. Where do I go from here, Lord? If, if, I'm, if I'm in relationship with someone, but there's red flags going up and I don't know what's going on, I don't need a word of knowledge. I need a discerning of spirits, okay? So what's the, guess, what's the best gift? The one that's needed at the time. And so it's a desire thing. It's not falling in love with one or another, and it's not manufacturing it and trying to conjure up what I need or trying to make it happen. It's desiring the gifts and then letting the Holy Spirit do the rest. It's amazing how he meets desire. God always meets expectation. God always meets and exceeds if we would just get the desire. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Remember, we saw this. We looked at this reference when we looked at a word of knowledge. So the Lord said to him, arise. And go to the street called Straight, word of knowledge, 
and inquire at the house of Judas, word of knowledge, for one called Saul of Tarsus, word of knowledge, for behold, he is praying, word of knowledge, word of knowledge concerning facts. Those were factual things that were literally taking place or had taken place, okay? And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Here's the word of wisdom. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. The instruction came, go. Then he reveals God the purpose and will, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. Those, that element, verse 15, is the element of word of wisdom. He showed him a future purpose, a future will. This is my purpose. This is my will. This is my plan. This is my intent. And he even gave instruction, go to him. That's where he received of divine origin. There was no way for uh, Ananias to know factually the word of knowledge, the man, the man's house, the name of the street, right, where to go, that there was a man named Saul in that house. And there was no way for him to know, what do I do with this? Other than divine origin in a vision. And again, he's just getting the starting point. Actually, he gave him the starting point and the end point. And remember, Ananias is fearful. Ananias is fearful at this point. He, he is, this is not the man you want to go see. You don't want to be a Christian going to see Saul, who's literally killing Christians. It's the last thing he wanted to do. You know, we, 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 you, you can pray for a word of wisdom and you can pray for a word of knowledge, but um, you might not like what you get on the other hand. Okay? Oh, it's not just this, oh, it's just so, so confirming. There was no confirmation for Ananias whatsoever in this scripture. Now, we will see confirmation here in another passage, but in this passage, there was no confirmation. I, I, I knew that you were going to save Saul. I knew that you were going to bring someone along his path. I, I knew that, that you were going to call me to, to help challenge this man and, and change this man. Nothing like that. There was no faith for that. He wasn't believing for Saul to become Paul and be converted. Right? There's no evidence of that. We're, we have evidence that he's fearful. We're evidence that he knows the actions that Paul or Saul at this point is capable of carrying out, and he's in hideout mode, okay? It's the same thing with Gideon. Gideon was in hideout mode, and an angel of the Lord and called what? A mighty man of valor. That's a word of wisdom, and it was completely contrary to the nature that Gideon was, and, and Gideon wasn't even looking for that. 
He wasn't seeking, he wasn't sitting at the bottom of that wine press, you know, uh, uh, doing what he was doing and, and, and saying, Lord, you know, if you would you know, call me, I'll, I'll answer the call. I'll, I'll be the man that will lead an army against these Midian. He's hiding out saying, do not pick me. You got the wrong guy. And then he asked for numerous signs after that to make sure you got the wrong guy. Okay? He's putting out um, the, the fleeces and, and, and all that. And just so you know, you don't need to put out a fleece anymore. That's not scriptural in New Testament. You got to understand the place the old covenant has. Don't be, don't be putting out, God, if this is the job you want me to take, then send someone along my path or do this. No, you have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you, and you don't need a word of wisdom. You don't need a word of knowledge. You don't need to go to a prophetic meeting. You don't need to go run down the prophet. You need to hear from the Spirit of God on the inside. We covered this in the first week that no one of these gifts is meant to replace your discipline and desire to hear from the Spirit of God for yourself. Prophets are not there so that you can become lazy and being sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If anything, it ought to incline your ear further to him. This is not so we can become, you know, lazy uh, DoorDash disciples. Send me along. I'll just order up a a word of knowledge. I'll order up a word of wisdom. I don't have to do any, any, you know, push or, or, or work on my end. That's not what we're doing. Okay? The Holy Spirit of God can tell you if that's the job for you, if that's the person for you, if that's the the assignment you need to take, if that's where you need to go, if that's what you need to do. Amen. All right, so um, we see that the word of wisdom came, gave instruction and revelation of God's purpose and will for the future. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Then the Lord's angel said to Philip, now go south from Jerusalem on the desert road to Gaza. He left immediately on his assignment along the way, along the way. Notice that the angel of the Lord gave one instruction. Didn't outline the whole plot and plan. Didn't give him the whole big picture. I mean, you would love that. I know we would all love that. But God gives you one word. Will you follow and obey that one word. God will never put you in a situation that doesn't require faith. God will never put you in a position. Some people chase prophets and call it faith, and it's not. Because now you've put your faith in man, not God. You'd be surprised at how little God will reveal to motivate your faith to step out on what might seem like nothing but his word is everything. When Jesus called Peter out of that boat, he wasn't stepping out on water. He was stepping out on a word. Come. That's all it took. That's all it took. Come. So along the way, he encountered an Ethiopian who believed in the God of the Jews, who was the minister of finance for Candace, queen of Ethiopia. He was on his way home from worshiping God in Jerusalem. As he rode along in his chariot, he was reading from the scroll of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go and walk alongside the chariot. So again, these words of wisdom will a lot of times contain instruction, contain a level of 
direction. Look at Acts chapter 11. And let me say this too. When it comes to this level of instruction as you're turning, Acts chapter 11, when it comes to instruction, respond and obey quickly. One thing you'll see about these individuals, especially in the New Testament, is they responded and obeyed quickly. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So we want to respond and obey quickly. Even if he's calling you to go convert the very man that's killing everybody. Respond and obey quickly. Even if you don't know what lies on the other side. Respond and obey quickly. Get quick. To, and this is what will happen. Is if our, our delay this time will hinder our sensitivity next time. You're compromising future words. You're compromising future words. A lot of times, not every time, so don't let this, you know, take you on a guilt trip, but a lot of times a prophet is needed because we haven't responded to the Spirit of God inside of us already. And I don't just mean the office of the prophet, but a, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. There's times that I've given someone a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom specifically on instruction, and I'll go ahead and let them know, I'm the second one God has sent to reveal this to you. The Holy Spirit was the first. And you haven't listened to him. I mean, I've heard prophets give warnings. This is the last time God will address this with you. Even on a positive thing, even on a good thing. But you're about to miss your moment and miss your mark because you're not responding to the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. And now he's having to send a man along the way. Or woman. A lot of times, sometimes it's couples and they haven't listened to their spouse who God is using to speak. But because we devalue the gift and the spouse that God has to send along a, a man of God, a, a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. And he's trying to reveal it to you by the one that's in your house. These, these are real instances. So we got to listen and respond when God speaks. Acts chapter 11, verse 27. At that time, there were prophets in the church of Jerusalem. And some of them came to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and prophesied by the Holy Spirit that a severe famine was about to come over Israel. So again, what, what we call a, a prophecy or a prophetic word is really a word of wisdom revealing a future purpose or a future event that will take place. A lot of the prophetic Words that have been given about, you know, end times and what's going to take place. Those really ought to be categorized, categorized words of wisdom. Not just prophetic by nature, but that the fact that they have a future revelation attached to it. So they determined that each believer, according to his or her ability, would give an offering to send as relief to the brothers living in Judea. They set aside the gifts and entrusted the funds to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Notice that there was this was a word of wisdom or a, a prophecy revealing future events that did not require response or participation on the hearer, 
but it moved them to participate. The, the drought was coming regardless. So this wasn't one that was conditional upon uh, instruction. This wasn't one that was conditional upon uh, if you give or if you do this. That, that was a word that was, that was being spoken. This is taking place no matter what. But now, let me show you the same prophet in Acts chapter 21 for the purpose of distinction, showing you giving a word of wisdom that is conditional. That is conditional, meaning it requires the participation and response of the hearer. In Acts chapter 21, during our stay of several days, verse 10, sorry, Acts chapter 21, verse 10. During our stay of several days, Agabus, a prophet from Judea, came to visit us. As a prophetic gesture, he took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet with it. As he prophesied, the Holy Spirit says, the one who owns this belt will be tied up in this same way by the Jews and they will hand him over to those who are not Jews. When we heard this, both we and the believers of Caesarea begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Remember, Luke wrote the book of Acts. So Luke and these other believers that are there are begging Paul, don't go. He's receiving a prophetic word saying, just as his hands are tied here, his hands will be tied and he will be bound when he goes to Jerusalem. So all the Christians, of course, are saying, don't go. Stay here. Nothing good lies ahead for you. You're receiving the word from God. This word, in essence, may have a negative nature to it. And sometimes we can misinterpret these things because we say, well, you know, words of wisdom and, and the prophetic utterances, words and all, they're given for comfort and they're, forgive, they're given for edification and exhortation. And you should be built up. How is this being built up? This is, it's because it was the plan of God that was being carried out and it required Paul to give his life for the sake of the gospel. Now, if you remember when Saul received his word through Ananias, he said what? And I will show him the many things that he will suffer for my namesake. Not suffer for the sake of suffer. He's not speaking death over his life. He's not, you know, you're going to struggle with sickness and disease because of everything you've done. This wasn't a punishment. This was his purpose being carried out. But because of that persecution, and because you're the trailblazer, Paul, you're the pioneer, Paul. You're the one leading the way in this, Paul. And if you remember, Saul was a very zealous man. And so when God saw him going after Christians and nothing stopping him, God said, I can turn that around for my good. This is a man that's not going to give up at just anything. This is a man that can be shipwrecked. This is a man that can be beaten. This is a man that can be despondent. This is a man that can be left for dead. This is a man that can have even his best friends walk away from him. This can be a man that can pour into churches and then have those churches turn their back on him and not support him any longer. This is a man that will keep doing what I need him to do for the cause of Christ, for the cause of the kingdom. That's my man. Isn't that amazing? So God saw that from the beginning, but he didn't tell him that from the beginning. He just said, there's going to be many things that you'll suffer. 
for the for my sake. So now we have this word. He's going to be tied up. Well, on the inside, this is confirming for Paul what he's always known. Paul has always known. I'm giving my life for this thing. Because look what he says in verse 13. But Paul replied, why do you cry and break my heart with your tears? Don't you know that I'm prepared not only to be imprisoned, but to die in Jerusalem for the sake of the wonder of the name of our Lord Jesus? Why? Because Saul stood by as Stephen was stoned to death watched him give his last breath as he looked through the clouds and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And he said, I'm prepared to do the same. I'm prepared to do the same. So this wasn't a prophetic word that he's rejecting. God wouldn't, God wouldn't give you such negative. God wouldn't have a negative out. No, he's showing you there's a bigger purpose and a bigger plan at, at stake. And this is only confirming what Paul already knew in his heart. Verse 14, because we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said nothing more except may the will of the Lord be done. This is the key I want you to see in this. Two things. One, in the first passage I showed you, there was no condition on it. That was a word that was given. There is a drought coming to the land. There's nothing you can do to stop it. It's not conditional. But this one was completely conditional. This was conditional on the fact that Paul had to go and lay down his life. Paul had to go and respond to the word to give his life up and continue on. to. He could have been persuaded to stay. When you receive a word of wisdom and it requires a response or action or participation on your part, you can derail that word. Yes, you can. If you don't respond accordingly when the instruction is given, when the direction is given. A word of wisdom that's just simply predicting future events is one thing. But when it's given and there's instruction given, go to Jerusalem. And you fail to do that, Jonah. Then you can. Now, here's the thing. God will find somebody. But you derail your participation in the process. You, de- you derail your involvement, possibly delay what the plan of God and the purpose of God is. There was a 40-year delay because Israelites received a word of wisdom, this is your promised land, but refused to act on it and walk in it. Until Joshua and the new band of Israelites that were born in the wilderness responded to that word of wisdom favorably. So a word of wisdom, there's conditions to it. This is the thing about Paul. He was determined to obey. You know, I I think I covered this several weeks ago, maybe over a month ago now, talking about the condition of the heart when the word comes. If you want to be led by the Spirit of God, what you need to work on is the condition of your heart in the meantime until the word comes. I've seen this happen with with couples that maybe there's a spouse that isn't following God, isn't serving God. And, you know, they may say, you know, I I want my marriage reconciled. I want to be restored. But usually what they're saying is I want him to get all his stuff together. 
And in the process, they're not working on themselves at all. And so, you know, we've seen it happen that the other, the one that was wandering away, the one that was lost, the one that was, was, was uh, not following God, has a heart change, has an encounter, comes back, but the spouse isn't ready to receive them. Isn't ready to receive them. Why? Because you weren't determined. Or maybe they're not ready to receive a healthy spouse. You know, sometimes spouses get addicted to their spouse's addictions. They get addicted to the sickness. They get addicted to having to care for them. They get addicted for having to save them every time. They get addicted for, for everybody seeing how bad they're doing and how good I'm doing. Or people having remorse for me because he's doing so. There's all kinds of psychological things that happen there. And so what am I saying? You've got to be determined in the process. When he speaks, I will respond. When the word comes, I will obey. I will follow the direction. I will follow the correction even. I will follow where he's telling me to go. This is so important. Because we, we can talk about and desire these gifts, but what is our posture? What is our place? What is our response? What will you do when that word comes? Does it have to make sense to you for you to step out? Do you have to have fleeces to back up and confirm and confirm and confirm that that really was a word from God? Do you have to have more than just the first step to step out and move? Now, when we receive a word of wisdom, we ought to be in a place we follow just as he was, determined to obey. Even if it's leading you into the den of lions. Even if it looks like it, you're not leading me down the right path, you're leading me down a, a dark path or a broken path or, or where people are going to leave me, people are going to abandon, whatever the case is. Jeremiah received a word, but the word wasn't super positive. I'm going to give you a word to minister and nobody's going to respond favorably. That doesn't sound like a word from God, does it? A word of God says you're going to minister and thousands of souls are going to come into the kingdom and you're going to have a ministry larger than Billy Graham and you're going to change the world. You know, maybe he's just calling you to be the one that says, I told you so. Amen. So we, we can't predetermine or prejudge what the voice of the Holy Spirit's going to sound like or how he's going to lead or what we think he's going to say and then I'll respond in that manner because many times he'll do exactly the opposite of what he'll say exactly the opposite of what you predetermine thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today we trust you received a word from God if you enjoyed this teaching be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes by subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.